Hello. Welcome to 2023. Oh, this is Gwen Garcelon, and I'm live here in the station with the 2023 recap um, for the inner game. <clears throat> and I just, I love starting the year this way. Um, it gives me a chance to go back and look at all the, listen to all the the messages that really that really hit me um, deeply over the year and all the conversations that were part of the inner game. And it's, um, it's been really a wonderful practice. So thanks for being here today. And I grabbed my Wendell Berry book while I was running out the door. Sorry for the uh, little bit of delay here in getting the show up and running. But <clears throat> one of the one of the themes that seemed to run through a lot of the um, a lot of the shows, a lot of the conversations in 2023 was a deep connection to the land, and I I just thought, huh, I wonder what Wendell Berry has to say that would really jump out at me. So I opened up um, his Life and Work book, and. And um, this is what I read. I sit in the shade of the trees of the land I was born in. As they are native, I am native. And I hold to this place as carefully as they hold to it. I do not see the national flag flying from the staff of the sycamore or any decree of the government written on the leaves of the walnut nor has the elm bowed before monuments or sworn the oath of allegiance. They have not declared to whom they stand in welcome. Hmm. Made me, um, you know, just think of how we are always welcome by the earth. And how much we need that relationship right now to navigate in these difficult times. Every time we connect to a tree or plant a seed, it, um, it deepens that relationship from where we can navigate. From the truth of the land. So <clears throat> um, in February, I talked with Julie DeVilbus. And one of the things that really jumped out at me in that conversation um, was the when we talked about how our spirituality, our our spiritual self, provides a sense of grounding and a feeling of belonging to the whole. And. And we also talked about embodiment practices, which can include uh, earthing. Many of you know about earthing, you know, walking barefoot on the land, lying down on the land, spending time in the hot springs, where you have a uh, directly felt um, connection to the earth. And science affirms what we feel naturally when this happens, that we are calmed, we 
can hear our own truth. We have that sense, that unity consciousness that allows us to feel not only that we belong to the earth, but that we belong to the universe. And that that practice, these embodiment practices, um, stimulate the vagus nerve, stimulate our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our anti-stress center. And all of this brings us balance, helps us to connect within ourselves. So these embodiment practices can be can be as easy as a breath practice. In my own practice as a coach, I, I help people just do a very simple breath practice whenever they're f- noticing. Sometimes we don't notice when we are in a sense, uh, in a state of stress. We're, we're just, you know, trying to survive, trying to do what we're supposed to be doing in that moment, trying to just make it all happen. And our our reptilian brain is where we're we're uh, acting from, and sometimes just three deep breaths when we notice that we're in that place can be enough of a pause to help us get back into our parasympathetic nervous system, and then we are accessing a whole different kind of operating system. Other practices that are that are embodiment practices are sensory awareness. So just um, just taking your thumbs and your and your fingertips and rubbing them together. We're doing that right now. That's a sensory awareness practice. That alone, again, can can interrupt a stress response and allow you to just have enough of a pause to, again, you know, act from a more whole space. It can be movement therapy. Um, you know, just going for a, for a walk, quiet, without listening to a podcast or, you know, whatever we do. But just to have, just to focus on the movement, just to notice what it feels like. Embodiment practices are feeling practices, sensory practices. They can be visualization practices. You could sit down and visualize swimming in the ocean and then think about how that feels. All of those are deeply, deeply nourishing to us and allow us to interrupt all the stress that we manage every day. And these are regeneration practices, too. And when we regenerate ourselves, we're able to be catalysts for regeneration of the earth. And boy, do we know that that's necessary. And to be doing that work, whatever that might be, from a place of regeneration and strength and coherence in ourselves is so, so important. We're not really able to be earth activists if we're not vibrating at, at, in a way that is healing to ourselves and to the planet. Hmm. 
Rebecca Wildbear, who I spoke to in March, talked a lot about this as well. She wrote a book called Wild Yoga, which um, helps to connect people to the earth and the healing available there. And she talked a lot about helping earth activists to access a more heart-centered way of serving. And so this has to happen from a more deeply engaged relationship to the earth. I think sometimes we can get so busy in the doing, the doing, doing, doing. And when we're coming from a place that's not coherent, that is stressed out, our service doesn't have the, doesn't make the contribution that it could make. And so having more time, building more time into our days where we just even just get outside and breathe in the negative ions of outdoor air, you know, it's, it's a big deal. It can seem like, oh, I don't have time for that. I've got this. I've got that. But, but we, we're in a time of an evolutionary imperative to do that. And, and our own self-actualization is tied to the self-actualization of the planet. And this is something Rebecca talked about as well. We can't reach our own self-actualization apart from the earth being healthy and connected. If the earth is in a state of destruction, then because we are inherently tied up with that, it limits our ability to be our whole true selves and vice versa. So anything that we can do to bring coherence to, it might look like planting, planting something that's maybe like a pollinator plant, you know, that will, that will bring more native insects to your yard and create more balance in your own little ecosystem in your backyard. You know, that can be a way that we connect to the earth because it's a way of, of offering healing. And we feel that, and it allows us to heal. So maybe let's make this the year of co-healing with the earth. Almost everybody, and this wasn't planned, but almost everybody in 2023 had something to say about that. I talked with Jess Jacobson, another local healer, um, and, and, and we talked a little bit about security and how security is the, the best source of security is our experience of our spirituality, of our connection to the divine. And it's not like we have to do something to connect to the divine because we already are. It's more of an acknowledgement, of a remembering that that's the case. And, and when, whenever we remember that, there's the experience of belonging and being accepted and being seen 
And these are all things that we deeply, deeply need as human beings. I mean, we can see what a difference it makes when we provide that for a child, you know, a sense of belonging, Um, seeing them for their unique beauty. And sometimes we forget as we get older that that's something we, we need a lot of always in our lives. And the, an easy way to do that, again, is, is through a breath practice of just breathing into our heart. It feels so good. And remembering that we're loved. We, we actually are an expression of love that that's what is always accessible to us. It's funny, there's so many stories from people in concentration camps and that what they realized that nobody could take from them was their humanity, was their ability to be compassionate with each other, even in the midst of dire circumstances. That was something inherent to them. No one could take that away without their consent. And so we all have that, no matter what our circumstances are. We have our humanity. We have our compassion. We have our ability to show kindness to another. And that's, that, for me, is the greatest sense of security ever. Jess and I talked a little bit about how our buildings separate us from the earth. And this is an interesting thing to, to, you know, like as, as we've become more air quotes civilized and, and spend more time in indoor environments, we've become more and more separate from the earth. And, and this is important to, to notice that, you know, even even opening a window or letting light in, daylight, that can bring us connection to the earth. And these are things that are really important if we're finding ourselves inside more often. I have a client who is an architect and and, um, designs schools. And more and more schools are realizing that children self-regulate better, they collaborate better, they learn better when they have connection to the land. So more schools are looking at things like daylighting, um, skylights, and making sure every classroom has lots of windows, and, and making sure that children have as much access to the outdoors as they can possibly design into their days. And these are these are things, of course, you know, that we that we realize are more and more important to us. We, Jess and I talked about the value of being of service. She shared an amazing story of how the original food co-op, which then became Dandelion Market, and now um, is Mana Foods, and. There are many people who have been involved in that evolution, um, especially Sotantar, who is now managing Mana Foods. Um, and she shared that the, the civic story of that, 
how it it was created and the service of so many people to make that happen. And and it was just a, a beautiful sharing of, of insight into um, into a more aware, more sacred kind of civic process, something that's being called um, and referred to as pro-social process these days. Um, David Sloan Wilson is uh, is doing a lot of work with pro-social world, making this process more clear for people who want to engage in highly productive um, uh, efforts, um, <laughs> which we need a lot of today. And, and pro-social is at its heart is about care of one another. So making sure when people come together around an effort that there's, there's a deep sense of familiarity, that people know each other, know their strengths, know their weaknesses, um, and, and spend a lot of time creating shared purpose and vision. And it seemed like that was something that was very much a part of the food co-op and our local food market that is very dear and precious to us here in Carbondale. So I, I um, encourage you to go back and listen to that episode with Jess and, and hear how that came about and the lessons learned. It wasn't easy. It's not easy coming together collaboratively around anything that people care deeply about. And so using the, the scaffolding, the supports of good process is, um, is so important, especially the, the very best support of love, of making sure people are coming together around something they all love and extending that love to each other so that the experience of service can be nourishing rather than draining. In June, it was my life day, and I got to kind of revisit <clears throat> June 6, 1993, when I fell off a cliff and almost died, and, and just what an amazing um, experience and unfolding of life is, that has happened since then. And just getting to remember the amazing service that saved my life um, from Mountain Rescue and the firefighters who were a part of that rescue. And, and just, just remembering how, um, how little fear I had throughout that whole process. I was in a lot of pain at various times during the whole accident and, well, I don't actually remember the fall very much, um, but I remember being in the hospital afterwards and and the kind of pain where you're there thinking, huh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But just being able to take one more breath and one more breath and one more breath and also the deep acceptance that I had 
there was nothing in me that was fighting the whole process, thinking, oh, this shouldn't have happened, and oh my God, you know, what if? And the whole time, I, I was deeply connected to the, the unified field, <laughs> my, my spiritual nature, you name it. Um, I, had just, I had just come home from a few months before from being at an ashram with my meditation teacher for a year. And every part of me knew during that time that there was just no place to fall away from. Death wasn't an ending. It was just another entrance into a different experience. And I was kind of fascinated by all of it. But I was also deeply grateful for my life and and was a big fan of life. So <laughs> I think that's probably what kept me in the game. But having a having had that experience of of really feeling the tenuousness of our lives here on this planet and i think it was probably an experience of deepening my commitment to making sure i was really making good on the precious opportunity that it is to be here embodied and alive on this planet no matter how difficult it can be. Oh, in August, I, I had the chance to talk with Patty Rockstar. Some of you probably know her. She, um, she was the owner of the, of the rock shop down in Glenwood Springs, which is such a magical place. And what a beautiful conversation with someone who'd also had such a, an amazing life. I mean, you know, battled alcoholism and and has been sober for a long, long time, and and deepening her spiritual connection, even, even you know day to day. I mean, she's retired and you know could be doing anything, and you know she does a lot of spiritual practice and community practice, and finds so much joy and continuing to expand her own consciousness. And at one point in the conversation, we talked about how um, how in the Bible it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. And the deeper meaning of that, um, how meek actually, the, the translation that, it, you know, it was, was more accurate was the humble shall inherit the earth. And how we both felt really called to um, to work on humility and to inspire that in others, and you know, just to the ex- also the experience of awe is part of of humility, and how she would continually be in awe of what the rocks and minerals uh, provided um, in terms of nourishing and, and healing um, when she, you know, there, during the years that she was developing her relationships with rocks and minerals and the incredible geodes that are, are at the rock shop and how when she would be in this sense of awe 
she felt, you know, the, you know, just her heart expand. And, and what a, what a beautiful, um, you know, space to be in and to share it with so many people as she did for so many years. Oh, let's see. Um, I just want to say, and I probably been rambling here for a while, um, that you're listening to The Inner Game on Katie and Kay. And this is Gwen Garson. I'm doing a, a little recap of, of 2023. And there was just so much, um, so many beautiful conversations. Mark Burroughs um, of Pollinator Chocolate and stories of, um, he's also a beekeeper and, um, you know, have his consciousness around bringing his neighbors honey when he moved into a new house in a new neighborhood to make them feel safe and, and honored and make friends so that they wouldn't be afraid of the bees. And um, Dr. Will Tuttle in November, who wrote a book called The World Peace Diet. And boy, peace was another theme of the year. I know we're all feeling that in a big way wanting more peace in 2024 and it definitely starts with us so get outside and do what you need to do to connect to the earth lower your own stress levels be kinder to each other let's bring all these messages and and practices into the new year spread peace much love